If I had to do it all over again, I would do it, do it all the same way. I wouldn't change anything. Every experience, every epidural, every pain, every heartache, I, I would do it all again. All again. Shoho, like we say in Sweden. The podcast is finally back. I welcome you to the Positive Birth Story podcast with me, Swedish midwife Åsa Holstein. After a series of profoundly life-humbling experiences, my life slowed down and finally allowed me to take on podcasting again. And I will pick up right where I left with more amazing and empowering stories from women with positive experiences from giving birth. Thank you for trusting me with your stories. First episode for this new season is Sina's birth stories. Sina and I had a long talk that went on for hours when I was in New York to record the podcast before the pandemic hit. This story is more like a treasure box of giving birth experiences. Eight birth stories in one episode. So it had to be made into a special episode as a tribute to the younger version of Sina. It is a story about giving birth to eight children. It is also a story about losing her third child one week after birth. But most of all, it is a story about being a woman and dealing with life the best you can from where you are in that exact moment. To quote Sina, to power through. I am so happy to finally have the chance to let you all take part of this beautiful story. This is a podcast with women for women. Sina, I welcome you to the Positive Birth Story podcast. Thank you. We are recording from my hotel room in New York. And um, we might have some noises from the city coming into this podcast episode. Welcome to New York. Yeah, (laughs) that is what it is. (laughs) You are uh, the mother of a minor soccer team. Yes. And also a birth worker. Yes. Yes, I'm a doula, postpartum doula. I am a lactation consultant, massage therapist, and Reiki master. Hmm. So to set the record straight, how many children have you given birth to? I've given birth to eight children. And that is what you're going to share with us today. Yes, that is what I'm going to share with you today. My wonderful, crazy, funny stories as a mom, as a pregnant mom. As a woman? As a woman, yeah. And uh, I've been so excited to meet you because there are not many women that have given birth to this many children, uh, at least not in the Western world where we're living. Right. Uh, I never thought about that. But when I hear people say that, I'm like, yeah, I guess who gives birth to eight kids? You have. And some other women, of course, but you are not, you're not a big crowd. No. No. No, it's not a lot of us. No. Have you always known that you wanted to have many children? I didn't want to have any kids. And what happened along the way? Well, I lost my mom. And I think for me, I think it's always been that sense of fulfilling my heart. And knowing that my kids would never leave me and they will always be there. And how old were you when you got pregnant for the first time? I was 17 when I got pregnant, and I was 18 when I delivered. And how was that, to be that young and be pregnant? 
without your mom because then she had died. Yeah. That <clears throat> so not having my mom there, you know, it's the craziest thing because I don't think I've ever given it any thought. Like I just well cuz I well, I lost my mom when I was 15 a month before my 16th birthday. So I think I was like still kind of healing and dealing with that and then wound up pregnant and I think there was a certain amount of joy because now I had this new thing that was mine and to like love and to cherish and it was going to be me and my baby against the world and it didn't matter. I didn't need anything or anyone else because that baby was my everything. So I don't think I've ever really given it any thought. I just rolled with the punches. Mm. And uh, that birth ended up with a C-section. Yes. That birth did end up with a C-section. And I think, you know, looking back today, I can... Sometimes I think the doctor did it because I was so uneducated and I didn't know. And I think he probably felt it was the best thing. And honestly, today I can say probably was because I was completely clueless. You were clueless about the whole process? About everything. About everything. Oh. About everything. Like when I went for my first um, uh, prenatal appointment and they have to do the vaginal exam, when the doctor walked in, you know, he, he did all his questions and everything. And then he's like, okay, I'm going to need you to undress from the waist down. And we're going to do a vaginal exam. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, well, this is where we... And he took the forceps out, you know, and he was like, this is where... Not the forceps, the... um." Stories. <laughs> God, no, don't bring those out yet, right? <laughs> but he bought the, um, the, well, you know, some people call them the jaws of life, those... The instruments. The instrument yeah. to uh-huh. do the pap uh-huh. smear. Uh-huh. And when he bought that out, I was just like, you're not touching me with that. And he was like, oh, you have to do this. We have to make sure there's no risk for the baby. And I was like, yeah, no, we're not, no, no, you're not touching me with that. And he was like, but you have to, there's a risk, we need to make sure. And he was like, the nurse will be here with you. I'm like, I don't care, I don't know her. Like, I'm not doing this. And he made me sign a waiver saying that if anything was wrong, that he was not held liable. And I was A-okay with that because I had no idea. I was just completely clueless completely clueless um and then throughout my pregnancy i did you know go to my prenatal visits i never did my blood work because they said i needed to get a needle and i was like i'm afraid of that i'm not doing that you know so it was that unfortunate that my mom was not here with me at the time because if she was here naturally those things would have been done because she would have been by my side Mm. to make sure that i did them but um She wasn't, and I didn't know. I didn't realize the risk that I was taking at the time, but it all worked out. But when I got to the birth part of things and I went into labor, he came in to examine me to see if I had started to dilate. And when he told me, okay, you put your feet together, drop your legs, I was like, yeah, nope, I'm not doing that either. And he's like, well, how do you think you're going to have a baby? And I was like, well, I really don't know, but that I'm not doing (laughs) But did you know then that the baby came out through the vagina? I didn't. No, you didn't. No. I. No? You, so this is how naive I was. Oh. Like, I didn't even realize. And then some people were like, well, how did you have, how do you want it pregnant? Like, I didn't understand, like, the hole is different from where the, how do you say it, the way, where the urine comes from. Like, mm. I didn't urine know. Yeah, mm. I, had, I had no idea. Like, I was completely clueless. 
it is so sweet. I just want to hold you, the young you, and just like mother you. Yeah. yeah. Ah, can you feel that too? Can you connect to that young you? You, I in that way. Now, oh. yes. Up until, I mean, literally here recently, and I would say like in the past four months. Mm. Mm. I realized I started to talk to her because she has a lot of healing mm. to do. There's a lot of healing for her. Oh, yeah. So <clears throat> so the doctor um, came in about an hour later and they, they said that the heartbeat started to like kind of drop. And right away, they, like whisked me away. And we had this emergency C-section. Um, and when she was born, they said the cord was wrapped a few times. And she had to go into ICU. And so they took her to one hospital because that ICU was filled. So she couldn't go there. So she had to go to another hospital. And I had to stay there. So they separated you? They separated us. Does that happen often here? No, I don't think so. This was quite a few years ago. Yeah, this was 28 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I do think, too, that... I, I, I... So, you know, if you look at the statistics of a young mom, like, they're not usually the most positive. And I think he just thought, you know, she's just another silly girl came up pregnant and it didn't matter. Like, my voices didn't matter at that time because I was so uneducated of what I was getting myself in. But what they didn't realize is that the power of the heart, the love, supersedes any and everything. And with that is where your mother from. And that's what made me a great mom and which made me say after a week, because they wouldn't let me out of the hospital because I kept getting this fever, that finally made me say, no, I'm signing myself out and I'm leaving because I need to either bring my baby to me or I'm going to my baby. And they wouldn't let me out. And at that point I said, okay, well, let's sign me out because I'm out of here. And I broke out, I broke free and I went to go get my baby. Ah. Yeah. How brave of you. Yes. Being 18 and yeah. a new mom. Well, she was my everything. Oh. She was my, like, she was the air that I breathe. She was. She is still. She drives me crazy now, but she, <laughs> But I guess You're I... are supposed to. I was the about kids to say, are supposed I to drive us crazy. Yeah, I guess at 28, that's yeah. her job. Oh. But I, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. So, and then you became pregnant again. And then I became pregnant again. And this time you knew a little bit more about the whole process? Or did you get more information or educate yourself? No. No? No. I became pregnant again. And um, I was like, I can't have another baby. I can't do this. And I kind of toyed back and forth, like, what to do? You know, because I was young and I wasn't working. And I didn't have an education at the time. And what was I going to do? You know, and... I just was like, I can't have another baby. And I toyed with the idea of, you know, terminating. And But that heart space, again, just wouldn't let me. So I wound up going through with the pregnancy. But this time, I didn't go for any prenatal care. None? And none, until two weeks before I had my baby. And I have to say that in this podcast, that is not something that we do advice. We no. do advise to go to the prenatal care. Yes, you should. Yeah, yes. you should. Well, now knowing that eight kids later and a birth work, you're like, <laughs> duh, <laughs> that wasn't too smart of you. But you know, when you're young, you're like, you're so courageous and you're just like so full of life and 
you're so untouchable, you believe. Nothing. What's mm. going to happen? What's going to happen? Nothing's going to happen. Everything is fine. Like, all they did was just listen to the heartbeat and send me out anyway, and that was it. So what's going to happen? I had this baby, like, okay, this baby will be okay. So, you know, you feel this. It's something fantastic in that, too, and that we want to embrace that, the feeling of, like, trust. Trust in the process and trust in the body and trust in yourself. Yes. And I would say that if, you know, you're like you're this person who don't want like a lot of uh, interventions or blockage or too medical, that's where our midwife comes into play. Because she's a lot more, a midwife is a lot more gentler in the sense of they will come in Well, you can go to their office, but like when I work with a midwife, when I go in, it's just a little office. It's not like this bed and these tools and this light and all these different things. It's a more sacred space and a more comfortable space. Like you just sit in a regular chair and, you know, she checks the position and she checks the heartbeat. And that's like all it is. And, and it's not as intimidating if you walk into a regular doctor's office or into a hospital or a clinic or something like that. So if I just want to put that out there, like, yes, you have to go for your checkups because it is important to make sure baby's growing okay and things like that. But if you're looking for a more sacred type of birth experience, a midwife. Oh, you're talking to me. Yes. She's a midwife. Yes. Every day, all time, every day, choose a midwife. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. But if, you know, like you, some people just have to have that medical, mm. then an OB maybe or a midwife. You can have both. You can have like a midwife as the base and then you can have the OB gin as like a yeah. backup. Yes. So I would say educate yourself mm. and do lots of interviews. Mm. Oh. So that second birth then, that ended up being a vaginal birth. So yes, he ended up being a vaginal birth and... I went into labor. I know exactly when I went into labor, which is four o'clock when Oprah Winfrey comes on because I was laying in the bed watching in Oprah Winfrey. In the afternoon. Winfrey. In the oh. afternoon, yes. <laughs> 4 p.m. And I remember feeling this like, bloom, bloom, in my, like this drop in my in my stomach. And I was like, ooh. So I kind of just laid there and watched Oprah and had the contractions and was all into the show and then have a contraction. And it was, it was, I can get through it. And I kind of was like up and down, moving around some, watching TV. And my husband at the time, my ex-husband, he was homesick. He just happened to be homesick that day. He had just like kind of drift off to sleep. So I didn't bother him because I knew he wasn't feeling well. And his aunt called. It must have been around 9 o'clock. His aunt called and said, you know, how she feel, how's Zena feeling? And he's like, I don't know. Let me, you know, ask her. So he asked. And I was like, well, I've been having these contractions since like 4 o'clock. And she's like, What? Get her out of there. You got to get her to the hospital now. <laughs> so we, so he's like, well, you know, on a day said, we got to go. Come on, let's go. So I said, okay. And we got dressed and we got the other baby dressed, the first baby dressed, and we dropped her off at a friend's. And then we took a cab over to the hospital. And then when we got there, they took us to triage. And the doctor's like, okay, we got to examine you. Now, this time I wasn't afraid because I knew. So, like, immediately I, you know, put my legs in the, 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 um, the things that hold your legs. And as um, soon as she was coming around to check, my water broke straight across the, the room. room. And she was like, oh, It's no. a lot of water. Yeah, it was a lot. And it did it twice to her. 
yeah, it was a lot on it. I mean, it just went, and because of the way I would guess I was positioned yeah. with the pressure, it just went like straight across the room. She was like, oh my I can God. See it vividly. <laughs> Twice when she came to do. So finally she um, checked and she was like, oh my God, you're nine and a half centimeters. What have you been doing for your prenatal care? Who's your doctor? And all of a sudden, these nurses, and they were trying to, like, move stat now, you know, get this blood work because this, this baby's coming. They had not a lot of records on me because I just literally two weeks ago went for my first appointment. Hmm. And um, they went, back then, you had the babies in the operating room. So they rushed me to the operating room. Oh, that's where you had the baby stuff? Yeah, in the operating room. Oh, terrible. Yeah, it was. It was. Things are better now, though. Yes. Oh. Yes. It, yeah. So they rushed us back there and they had us there and they were um, trying to um, prepare everything. And then all of a sudden the labor just stopped. Contractions stopped. Everything stopped. And they're there waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Nothing. So so much that the head doctor came in and was like, she has to, like, you have to take her out of here. She can't stay in the operating room because if another mom comes in, what are we going to do? And they all, and they were like, we can't take her out. Like, she's going to have this baby in a minute. So they tried to have us do, like, nipple stimulation. My ex-husband had to fight with the doctor. Like, we're not leaving here because she's going to have this baby. The room is already set up. So after we did all of that, long and behold, at 12, I think it was like 1235, here came my April Fool's baby. Oh, yeah, he was an April Fool's baby. <laughs> he fooled them all. Because they thought he was going to be, they did the paperwork. I mean, they had everything ready because I was right there. But I think like that white syndrome, you know, like you get to a hospital and they were like doing too much too fast. I think that kind of uh, made me nervous. And I think that's where the... And as a birth worker now, you know what happens when a woman becomes nervous. What happens to the hormones, yep. the increase of distress hormones, adrenaline and noradrenaline presses down the oxytocin. Yeah. Yeah, because the moment that they all calmed down mm -hmm. and everyone was off of my back and they kind of, boom, here he came. But it is the flight and run system that kicks in. Mm -hmm. It is because that you know, we need to be able to stop birth if we need to change location because of any danger arising. Yeah. It's like it's from the start. <laughs> yes. It's primal. Yes. Yes. And then he was born. Oh. And then he was here. And how was that? That was great. That was, um, now this time, he got to stay. We were in the same hospital, and he didn't have to go to ICU. Back then, they used to bring your baby to you for a couple of hours and then take the baby away so that the mom could rest. And mentally, it was a challenge, like, okay, you have two babies now, but you got this, you know? And I remember they brought him in the middle of the night. And it's, it's what a difference because I see so many moms like now and I get it that they're tired. But like I've had, I just I mean, I was young still. I was only I think I was 20 now at the time. And I just had this burst of energy. So it didn't matter that I didn't sleep like it wasn't I wasn't missing the sleep the way most women miss sleep now. So it's something to be said about having, I think, a kid, kids at such a young age. But I just remember just being up in the middle of the night and just powering through and just getting it done by myself. Mm. My ex-husband was there, but like he, I can't really say that. That's not fair. I can't take that away from him because 
automatically we did shifts. So like I had my shift and then he did his shift. But I was always in his shift because I can never stay asleep. <laughs> you were interrupting. Because I had to make, it's just that mama mm. bear syndrome. Like mm. I had to make sure that he was doing it he right. He was doing it right because I never thought he did it right. But now ask me about baby number six. When the baby would cry, I didn't even wake up. <laughs> because at that point, I was 35. <laughs> I was 35 years old. And I never woke up. Yeah, I was exhausted by baby number six. says baby number six. Yeah, I was exhausted by that time. But we have quite a few babies yes. before baby number six. Yes. <laughs> so the third time, how was that to be pregnant the third time? So the third pregnancy... Uh, The third pregnancy was good. Now, with the third pregnancy, um, I had uh, moved to Tennessee, and I had met a um, woman there who became like a mother to me. She took me in under her wing, and I was working with her at a. Um, I was a head. I went to school. I should say when I was pregnant with the first one, I knew I needed to have a job, so I started to go to school to learn how to do hair. So, I, but I was so sick the morning sickness that I didn't finish. So then I had baby number two. And at the, as soon as we had baby number two, I mean, immediately within a month, we moved down to Tennessee. And I was blessed to meet this woman, Billy Ray, um, who took me in because she didn't have a daughter. She only had a son and she always wanted a daughter. So she took me in like a daughter and she just nurtured me and she was there and she, you know, just walked me through the steps. Now, by that time, I did the, the pelvic exam like I was supposed to. I did the blood work like I was supposed to. Like I understood and like, you know, someone there like, how did it go? And how is everything? Mm. And, you know, what's the new development? And she was so excited. And like we planned, she planned this big baby shower. And all our clients came and friends came. So it was like you were expecting the child together with her. Also. Yes, oh, yes. She was part of it. Yeah, she was very mm. much a part of it. And that baby... um, I labored. So I was in this having contract for two weeks. I was like in this mode where I was having contractions like every 10 minutes. I was three centimeters dilated, but I wasn't dilated enough that they would do anything about it. So I just kind of had to like go through it. And then one night, my ex-husband came home from work. We watched some TV. We went up to bed. And as soon as we, something about when he's sleeping, these babies like to brew. <laughs> as soon as he fell asleep... <laughs> As soon as he fell asleep, I went into labor. I went to the bathroom and I, you know, I kept going back and forth to the bathroom because I kept having this pressure and I thought I needed to use the bathroom. But I didn't think I was in labor because I kept already having all of these contractions. But this time I wiped and when I wiped, there was some blood there and I was mm -hmm. like, oh my God. Now here's something else again. I didn't know that was a bloody show and that I had no idea what it meant again, again. I guess completely clueless. Something new is happening. Something different is happening. And, um, but immediately I knew we needed to go to the hospital because I saw blood. That was a sign. And thank God for the blood because I would have had the baby at home mm. because I didn't know. Mm. Again, I thought that, okay, these are just contractions that's been happening. So we got the two kids dressed now, dropped them off at Billy's house and we went and had the baby and When we got there, they were trying to get my husband to go downstairs, my husband then, to go downstairs to um, register me. And thank God that he said no, because 
he was like, I'm not leaving her. We're not sure what's going to happen. And the nurse said, you know what? I'll do it for you. And we went, um, now we had the baby in the room. It wasn't in the, in mm. the um, operating room. So we had this big, beautiful room. And I was just like, oh, this is so pretty. There was a rocking chair. It was just a beautiful place. So I felt really comfortable. So while the, the nurse is there sitting down trying to ask me these questions, I remember looking over at my ex-husband. I remember saying, like, he was like what she said what did you say I said I feel like something's there like I gotta push the doctor she called the doctor in and long and behold I was crowning literally crowning at that time and out she came like one two three within like 30 minutes from arriving at the hospital she came and it was a beautiful birth It was a beautiful birth. Um, you look very happy talking about it. Yeah. Your eyes start to spark. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's, well, that's interesting. Um, because this is something I don't really talk about much because it didn't have a beautiful ending. Mm. So the birth was actually beautiful. And then she got to come home um, for a week. And then uh, she was, like, very gassy. She just kept, like, crying and screaming and hollering. And nothing could, like, get her to calm down. And this is when they started. The, this was a period where we went through, you had the baby, and within 24 hours, you went home. And this was a period when before you, they was trying to do this thing where instead of coming straight to the hospital, you're supposed to call first to see which hospital your um, doctor is affiliated with. If it was something you could take care of at home or you're not taking care of at home. And um, so when the baby was like having all of these troubles, I was calling to the hospital and I was talking to the doctors and the doctors were saying to change her formula. We think it's just a formula that's giving her like a lot of gas, change her formula and she'll be okay. So I said, okay, fine. I changed her formula. And when we changed her formula, she seemed to have gotten better that day. And then that night when my ex-husband came home from work, she had a bowel movement and her bowel movement was like the color of a brick. So I called the hospital again and the hospital said, well, you have an appointment tomorrow, so you can just bring her in tomorrow and we'll check. Or you can bring her in tonight if you feel like that will make you feel better. Uh, yeah. So my ex-husband, we got a dress and my ex-husband, um, I stayed with the two kids at home and my ex-husband took her to the um, emergency room. And I knew when she left that it wasn't going to be good. And um, he took her to the hospital. And from there, they said that she was very dehydrated. They had to give her IV. Then they had to rush her out to another a specialist, specialized hospital. It was about 45 minutes away from the house. And they took her there and then she had to have surgery. So come to find out that her intestines was not fully connected to her stomach. Mm. And the, so when I was feeding, the, the food was not leaving the stomach going into the intestines properly. And the stomach just grew, 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 grew until it popped. Mm. And that's why when she seemed like she started to calm down because the pressure had mm. popped. So she felt better. But so much of the bowel had leaked out into her body. Mm. So they did do the surgery and they stitched the stomach back up. They had to take out some of the bowels, um, some of the intestines. And um, she didn't make it because too much of the um, bowel had leaked out. Mm -hmm. She didn't make it. And um, she wound up passing a week later. 
So you lost her. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I lost her at a week. Exactly a week. That was, that was, um, yeah, that was tough. Needless to say, that was very hard. Um, I didn't leave the hospital when, once I got to the hospital, because I had to take her again out of the area, I didn't, um, I didn't leave the hospital. And that night they kept, so I was there like two nights, two days straight. And they were trying to get me to go home. And I was like, I don't want to go home. I don't want to go home. I don't want to go home. And then finally, um, the doctors came in. My husband got, my ex-husband got the doctors to come in and talk to me. And I was like, you know, you really need to go home and get some rest and just prepare. And then when you will call you, if anything. So we did. We went home and um, they called in the middle of the night and said that there was no more that they, was, they could do and that they were going to take her off the machine and um, they would wait for me. But at that point, I couldn't, I just couldn't bring myself to go back. Mm-hmm. So the next day, you know, the, they called after she had, you know, transitioned to the other side. Um, they called uh, us to come in and um, they gave us some fingerprints and all those kind of things. And we had a service for her. And, you know, I don't really remember everything with the service, but what I do remember is the nurse showed up. The nurse who signed you in. Oh. Yeah, she came and that was like really like, she was like an angel to me when she showed up. So, you know, it. I cry about it today because now I, for a long time, I walked with the guilt because I didn't go back. But I think that the way I was at for my own headspace and like for my other kids to, to push through, I wouldn't have been able to. Now, today, I wish I could go back, right? Because today, I feel strong enough. But then, Mm. I didn't. And that sat with me for a long time. But looking back at it now, I can see that she was just an angel. And everything worked out the way that it was supposed to. But the nurse coming in was like a a really good joy. So that was baby number three. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. I never shared that. With anybody. Oh, you haven't. When I tell people I have eight kids, <clears throat> I never talk about that. Mm-hmm. So it was really, thank you for giving me that space to um talk about her birth. Thank you for sharing. It was really, you said like my eyes lit up because it was like, it was like a very um sacred place. It was, it was a beautiful birth. It was. And I did everything right. Like, you know, I went, I had the pelvic exam. I did all the doctor's appointments, the blood work. And I wasn't afraid, you know. So she did offer me that. She she was, that birth gave me that. Mm. And this is life. It's it's beautiful and it's also so painful. Yeah, and I try to tell my mom, it's mm. like, you know, like you, you have to, So I never speak about that because I never want them to take that on as their story. And so easily we can take that on as our story. And I know that because of when I started taking the epidural, because I took everyone else's story and started to make their pain my pain. So I never really talk, I never talk to my moms about it because I don't want them to go with that. But I do always tell them you have to approach birth with an open mind because you don't know. 
you don't know how the labor's going to unfold. And you don't know what the end was. You don't know. And when you set yourself the standards so high for yourself and you don't reach those marks, then whatever unfolds become, becomes trauma and it mm-hmm. becomes hard to take. Because that's not trauma that happened to me. That's just life that happened. That's just life. It's not trauma. No, it's life. And that's, I think that's why it's so much anxiety for many women also preparing for birth because it is preparing for life in its very essence. And it's so challenging because life in its very essence is also death. Yeah. So, and I think we need to be very humble about birth. Yes. I think we have forgotten to be humble about birth because yes. we are so... We live in such a controlled society where we can decide upon so many things and we have so many choices and we have so much control, but there are just things that we cannot control. Nope. And, and birth is it. Yeah, birth is it. And the outcome. Yeah, the, and we have to be so humble. Yeah. And and just also believe in that most of the times it's just the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. And most of the times are good. Yeah. Yeah, most of the times they are good. Yeah. And then there's that small percentage. Hmm. And when you have that smallest percentage, like, you know, you've, you've got to know, you've got to cherish the time. So I, I try to tell my moms, like, embrace with your baby now. Because, see, life is happening right there. And there's a connection that is happening. And there's love you can send to your baby. And your baby is sending back. Because I have that. I have that good, this is like you said, like my eyes sparkle, mm-hmm. right? I have those good memories of connecting with her. And I, you know, thank God for Billy Ray because she created that space for me to have that. And because of that, this is why it never, the fact that I didn't go be there with her kind of weighed with me because I felt guilty that she had to transition by herself. However, Mama had to be here for the other kids. Mm. So there is also that this sense of I needed to take care of myself as well. So I'm able to deal with it the way that I dealt with it all these years because I did have that connection with her. Mm. So that's important. Like oh, that is so important. Connecting from the, the beginning. Yeah, and also what you give word for is that in the moment you do what is best for you and you you try your best all the time. Yeah. Because there is so much guilt surrounding us as women and and we feel guilty when we miscarriage and we feel guilty if there's something wrong with the baby. We feel guilty if the birth is not going the way we want it to be. There is so much guilt. Yeah, and it shouldn't be. We have to see it as yeah, life we have to, unfolding. Yeah, yeah, life unfolding and give ourselves a lot of self-love because it's freaking hard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is really hard. And it, and we come in with because we are women and we are so strong and we are so powerful. We come in with like, yeah. But no, you have to allow yourself to be vulnerable, be soft. Mm. This is a new way of life. Mm. that you can't control. You can't control when baby gets sick. You can't control when baby don't do the things that you want baby to do when they get bigger. Like, this is an ongoing, unknown process of life. Yeah, it starts with you becoming pregnant, and then it, you know, then it doesn't end. Yeah. (laughs) It keeps going. 
you know, the kids, you, you are constantly worried about the kids and their well-being. Yeah. They sleep too much, they sleep too little, they eat too much, they eat too little. <laughs> they yes. drink too much, they drink too little. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. They study too little, they study too much. It's mm -hmm. just, you know, just it's endless. Yeah, and as they get older, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't get any easier. No. No, it doesn't because you don't have that control. Now you don't have the control. No, you have more control when they're small. Yeah. Or at least more a sense of control. They're still they're the ones in, in charge. Yes. <laughs> Yes, yes. But I mean, you can, they are more open to you guiding them. Yeah, yes, they are. But once they yeah. become their own adult, they are just that, their own adult. Mm -hmm. So, uh, losing your third child, did that make you want to have another child? Yes. Yeah. Mm. Immediately. Immediately. Mm. I, I just, yeah. In the beginning, uh, so after we lost her, after the funeral, we came up to New York and we stayed with my, so I will say my mom because she's my mom. She's the one who took me in when my mom died. So we stayed with her for a week. And at the time I didn't know, but my ex-husband had like a cleaning crew go in and clean a house and pack away everything so that when I came home, nothing was there. And that infuriated me. I was just going to ask you, how did that make you feel? Yeah, that infuriated oh, me. But he did it out of love. Oh, yeah. Oh. He thought that that was... He didn't want me to come home and have to... It would have been a healing process for you to pick down all the things yourself, right? Yeah, because oh. one day he came home and I had everything out of the closet, just kind of laying and feeling and touching. Mm. And, and then one day he couldn't find me because I was at the cemetery and... But I have to say that the town was so given to us. They, the funeral home gave us the most beautiful, I like to say celebration. I don't like to say funeral. But they gave us such a beautiful celebration of her life. And, and, it, and it, at no cost, the place where she is buried... Um, didn't put her in the ground. She's in like a mausoleum and they call it baby land. She was the first baby there. So now, because when we go back to 10, well, when I was still married to my ex-husband, we would go back to visit her. And like she has around all these little babies now. Oh. So, yeah. It, you know, She has a crowd. Yeah, <laughs> she has a little crew. <laughs> she does. She has a little community. Yes, yeah, the little angels looking down on us. And um, they were uh, so supportive. But he found me there one day, like, that's where I was at. And he's like, I don't want you to go back there anymore. Like, stop, you know, just just stop. We got to keep pushing through. And, you know, I don't know if he saw something that he thought would digress or if that was just his way of pushing off on me, how he dealt with it. You know, I really don't know where that came from. Um, but he said it was best for me, so I just stopped going. I put the things away, and I think we kind of got rid of them. He kind of, you know, made us get rid of them. And maybe that was just more so his way of coping. Mm, because we all have different ways of coping yeah. in hard situations. Yeah. And I kind of followed his lead because I felt so lost. Mm. So if he said that that was what was best for us, that's what I kind of just felt was best for us. And I kind of, like, all these years kind of, like, pushed it to the back of my mind push it to the back of my mind but she's always there and it's so funny so I, I, I 
to just give you a little background about me. So like I'm a Reiki healer. So like I believe strongly in energy. So when people read my energy, they always tell me she's there and she feels forgotten. You know, so like light a candle for her, honor her. So the more I do that, the closer I feel to her and the warmer my heart feels to not being there with her and understanding that it was my way of coping. Might not be somebody else's, but for me, like some people may listen and be like, how could you not? But, you know, everybody's story is different and everybody's healing process is different. And for me at the time, that was just what was right for me. And now I know it's okay. Mm. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks or says. Because for me and my family, it was great. So, yeah, to baby number four, yeah, I wanted another baby. And And I thought to adopt. Uh, you wanted to adopt? Yeah, I was afraid to have another baby. Oh, because I was going to ask you that. Because usually when things happen, um, like you have described them, and, and if you have a miscarriage or something, that next pregnancy becomes, you have a lot of worries. Yeah. A lot of anxiety, usually. Yeah. I, I um, you know, just the funny thing is my anxiety didn't come through the pregnancy. It came at the end of the pregnancy. Mm. When he was born, I should mm. say. When he was born, that's when the anxiety came. I kept running him back and forth to the doctor. And the doctor's like, you got this. Like, no worries. Like, you got this. I mean, come as many times. She was great. Dr. Bud, she's the best. She was the best pediatrician ever. Dr. Blood? Dr. Bud. <laughs> Joan Bud. <laughs> Dr. Blood? <laughs> she was the best. Like, like nurse, nurse needle? <laughs> With my luck, that could possibly be how things usually roll for me. But no, she was Dr. Bud. She's like, she was like this doctor who just like took her time. Every No matter what. I mean, you know, when you go to her doctor's, when you go to the office, you're going to be waiting at least 45 minutes to an hour. But you didn't mind because when she saw you, she was with you for 45 minutes. Mm. And she remembered everything. She was great. So she was all the kids. The first you were five. important. Yeah, person and the patient, you were yeah. important. Oh. Yes. And I cherished that because I needed that. I really needed that when I had my fourth baby. And she was so like gentle and you come as many as times as you need to come. But no, you got this. Mm. You're you're a great mom. You can do this and everything is going to be okay. So she was really great that way. Um, and how was that birth, the fourth birth? Oh, so that birth, my water broke. That was, he's a Valentine's baby. Mm. He was born... Uh, February 6th. So many of them, I can't remember sometimes. I have to think. <laughs> do you have a list? Yes, I do. They're like, Mom, you know how you don't know? And I'm like, what do you mean? It's too many of you. I can't remember. Are you kidding me? Am I, and I'm only getting older. Like, seriously, like, take it easy. You do know? You, do you call them by the other kids' oh, names, too? all the time. You have a list? Like, you go through the name list? Sometimes I combine the names. Yeah. And sometimes <laughs> you. <laughs> like, you know, yes. So, yeah, they, they stay on my case about that all the time. But, um. They should. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I'm just like, I don't care. You know who I'm talking to. Because sometimes they'll just answer because they know I'm talking to them. And mm-hmm. then they want to just like be a little booger and just mess with me and be like, that's not my name, lady. And so, yeah, we, it's like an ongoing joke with all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Except for the little one. Her name is Layla Lee. I never mess her name up because you, she is a little pistol, that one there. She is just like a ball of fire, a ball of energy. So you never mess her name up you she is Layla you got Lee. it straight yeah her yes <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um was the it? fourth birth the fourth birth yeah. uh yes so I my water broke on the 15th 
I went to because I had to go now immediately because I have a history of having babies so fat within two hours babies come so I had to go immediately and um, when I got to the hospital no contractions though contractions never started so the doctor had me um, just stay at the hospital and I kind of walked the halls you couldn't eat my ex-husband and my sister was there with me and they were eating all this food I was like oh I'm so hungry, I'm so hungry. But I couldn't eat, so anyways, we made it through the night. And that morning, because she said when she, if I didn't go into labor myself, that morning she was, because the water broke, she was going to have to start the Pitocin. Now, I never had Pitocin, had no idea what it was, no idea what to expect. Holy camoly, when she started the Pitocin. He was born within an hour. Mm-hmm. After it the is Pitocin. intense. Yeah, it was intense. so intense. intense. That he was born in an hour. Yeah, that was like really tough. And I'm going to tell you, I will share with you that from that birth, I learned the importance of going within and focusing. Because the way the contractions came on so fast, my ex-husband literally grabbed my hands and got face to face, eye to eye, where it was no one in the room but he and I. Mm. And that is how I powered through and had him. Mm. Each and every contraction, because Each. they didn't grow on you gradually then, because they just started yeah. like fierce with contractions. Force. Yeah, yeah, with force. Do you think the reason to why birth didn't start was that you felt safer to have the baby within? I think that the birth didn't start because I was not ready. Oh, you Because he was two weeks early. Mm. And I still had things to do. Mm. So like, I mentally was not there. But the water broke. So what was I? Mm. But I just physically, I just mentally was not there because we didn't even have the bottles yet. Mm. We didn't have, we didn't have that. We didn't have, we we had like things left over from the first birth, Mm. from the first three births, I'm sorry. Because we always kept the crib. For some reason, we always had the crib. And I think we had like a stroller at the time, but we didn't have like bottles, little things like that. Um, So I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't ready yet. So this was a super intense birth, mm-hmm. one hour. Mm-hmm. In what position did you give birth? On my back. All my births were on my back. Oh, by choice? Um, or by someone by else's protocol, choice? By someone by else's choice. Oh. They never offered me an option. They never suggested. Or I think I was such a really good pusher, too, that it never even dawned on me that I needed to be another way because it always just if from up until that birth every birth was just so fast when it would happen that I never had the opportunity to even give it a thought because that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you before you coming here did you have a favorite pushing position but you never had to got to choose never oh and it was never even offered oh. oh turn this way maybe Never. For you that listen to this podcast, I strongly advise you to have an upright birth position, no matter what the people around you say, yes. unless it's unsafe for the baby in any way. But uh, yeah, have an upright position. Yes, because I see the difference now. As a birth worker. As a birth yeah. worker, how important listening, actually just listening to what the mom tells you, let her tell you what's right for her. Women by choice don't give birth on their backs usually. Right. They squat in the corner of a room or are head down. (laughs) Yeah. They they want to do other things. Yes. On all fours or, you know. Yeah. Because 
Well, gravity takes mm. its course, mm. and naturally, what your body's supposed to do will do if you allow it. Yeah, and you don't feel like you're uh, in your full power if you're laying down because everyone is above you. Yes. So you want to be in the same, you know, yeah. wavelength as the people supporting you. And then when you want to push something out, right, you're pushing down and out. Now you're pushing, I don't you, know, way. You're pushing up and yeah. away. And it's like it's like you were going to go and do a big poop. Yes. No one would ever lay down. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's not a good exactly. position to poop in. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and saying when you're constipated, this may sound gross, but you kind of curve over mm-hmm. to get it or up. pull your leg up towards yes. your belly or something like yes. that. Yeah, yes. I've never seen a toilet that's flat on no. the back, have you? Thank God. <laughs> and we are supposed to give birth like that. Yes. Oh, this makes me furious. Yeah. Um, okay. Do you think it'll ever change? I think... Um, I think the change has to come from the women. And this is part of this podcast, Mission of Mine, too, to educate women. Um, So you, as a woman, know your rights and your options and why we, as birth workers and midwives and doulas, uh, strongly recommend things like the upright position. It's because of gravity and it's because of the opening of the pelvis. It's because of the shape of the pelvis. So I think it... uh, I have to think that it's going to change, but it has to come with the women, mm-hmm. the women giving birth, because the system is so hard to change. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think that the more we start honoring and demanding our rights and knowing our rights and educating ourselves mm. to what our rights are and that, no, mm. I don't have to give birth mm. like this and you can't make me, the more we own that power, yeah, the more the mm. system is forced to change. Knowledge is power. Yeah. And, yes. Uh, and yes. and there is an immense power in taking control over the way you give birth. Yeah. It's um, for me this is feminism. Yeah. How we give birth. Yeah. And our right to give birth on our conditions and to have many different options because we're all different women. We have all different needs and different wishes and that is fine. So there has to be like a big, big table filled with different options that you can pick from. Right. And that's not usually the case. But the more educated you are, the more you can stand your ground. I have joined Patreon as a way to finance this project and to enable me to produce more episodes. I would be absolutely thrilled if you would like to support me in this mission about letting more positivity around birth come to life. I truly believe that we together can change the narrative around birth so that more women can start to believe in the power of birth. So go to Patreon and look for the podcast. Here we are, you have given birth to your first child uh, and then you become pregnant again. Is it by accident or have you planned to have one more child now? So now this is baby number. We talked about baby number four. Yeah. Let me see. One, two, three, four. Oh, five. Yes. How can I? Tyler. Yes. <laughs> so then came Tyler. Yes, 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 yes. So actually, no, I didn't. I was working now. I was, you know, I had made my way from receptionist to office manager. I was like moving now along in like a career I guess you would say for the first time realizing what a career was and I was really now starting to think about going back to school although I like 
meddled in some school here and there, which is never fulfilling because I like went to school for secretary type of work, administrator. I was like, yeah, no, I don't really know. So now baby number five, now it was here I am working as office manager doing like a lot of IT work, was thinking about going to school for IT just because it was like the next booming thing. I was working at this dot-com company. And then all of a sudden, I just kept getting really tired. So I worked in, so here in New York, I worked in White Plains, New York. My kids went to school in the Bronx and we lived in Yonkers. So that's a little travel distance, I will tell you. So I would work all day long and like I was like up in the the ceiling, moving wires, computers, setting up computers, all this other stuff. Then I would go pick up my kids. Ah, By the time I pick up my kids, I was so exhausted that we would go to Barnes and Nobles in the Bronx and do homework. And I would take a nap. <laughs> Literally, one of the chairs together. Yeah, one of the, because back then they used to have these big plush green I chairs. Know. I love do you remember Barnes those? And Nobles. Yeah. yeah. And you could have coffee and you could sit there yes. and read the books and just hang out. Yes. So I would have the kids sit around me and I would just sit there to take a 15 minute. I needed, I was no way I could drive home. So like I would. Power nap. Yes. I would pick the kids up, sit there, killing two birds at once. So they would get their homework done and then I can get a nap to get us home safely. And then this one particular day, I had to take a nap at Barnes and Nobles. And then when I got home, I was so exhausted. I told my daughter, I said, you you cook some ramen noodles for your brothers. I got to lay down. And my ex-husband came in at the time and found me laying across the bed, sleeping with my bag on my shoulder and my coat still on. Mm. And he's like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, I don't know. I just feel so tired. Like this, like this past week, I haven't had like any, I think it was like two weeks. It was like, I just haven't had any energy. And he's like, oh, do you feel sick or anything? And I was like, no. I was like, I don't know why I feel like this. And then I said, wait a minute. Nah. But I didn't get my period now that I think about it. <laughs> and along the whole, I was pregnant. <laughs> but this time I was like so excited, right? Because now I'm working, he's working, life is so good. This is going to be great. Like, you know, I got great insurance. Oh, this is great. And I did. I had a great, uh, again, did the vaginal exams, all of those things. Um, This time, they considered me, well, I should say from baby number four, I was considered high risk since I lost a baby. Mm. Since one had passed away, so like I was going to the doctors at least. Why were you high risk because of that? Yeah, I don't know. Mm. That's just what they told me, and I said, okay. One of those moms, like, all right, that's what you say, that's what you say. And, you know, back then, okay, you want to keep doing ultrasounds? I loved it because I got to see the baby. So it was like, okay, no problem, whatever, you know, type of thing. So I did, I kept going um, at so many doctor's appointments. And we just knew he was a girl because we had had my daughter and then we had my son. And then we had baby number three. She was a girl. And then we lost her. And then we had baby number four. He was a boy. So we just knew she was a girl because, like, that was just... Well, nope, he was a boy. He was you a boy. You it's so funny because yeah. of the track record. You yeah. do every other. Yeah. So. Yeah, we, we, we were wrong. Completely wrong. Because he was a boy. And uh, he was born. And so with him, I got so... Well, in the beginning, I was 
small. I had all this energy and everything was okay. And then when I hit about eight months pregnant, the energy was gone. Like he he was getting so big because all I did was eat with him. Like it was like eating, 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 nonstop. Mm, you were constantly hungry during yes, your pregnancy. Yes, constantly. Um, he and then. It, Oh, yes. The doctor told me I had to go on rest because with him, I kept losing weight. I wasn't like gaining weight. I kept losing the weight, losing the weight. And she's like, no, like I need you to slow down. You're doing way too much. I need you to slow down. I need you to go maybe down to part time to work because like after work, maybe I have like baseball practice with my other sons, you know, and then the other kids. So I I was really busy. And my ex-husband, he was always working. He worked from Seven in the morning to about eight o'clock at night, he worked for FedEx, so he was very busy, so it was all on me. So when I told my job that, they called up and they was like, you know, we want you to just stay home. Just stay home, we'll pay you. So I did the last month and a half at home, uh, and then I got so big with him. I was huge. I know I was, no, I shouldn't use the word huge, but I was big. I was it was so big that I couldn't make myself from my chair to the bathroom. And you are you can see that on the podcast, but you are a petite woman. Yes, oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I'm learning that now because yeah. I never used to think that. But, but you yes, are. <laughs> but yeah, I guess I am. And um, they was going to induce labor because labor wouldn't come on, and she was like, "We can't like you." He's too big. Like we know he's at least ten pounds. And I should say that all my babies. By now, at this point, baby one, two, and three were all nine-pound babies. Baby four was seven-pound baby. So it's like, he's got to be all a bit of 10 pounds, nine to 10 pounds. We can't let you go on anymore. Like, your due date is here. And they wanted to induce my labor. And they, she's like, you have to come to the hospital this time. And I never forget, I was tossing and turning all night. Like, I could not sleep. Like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. What am I going to do? What do they mean? Because now I don't know what that means. You want to induce labor. Like, I've always labored, so I don't understand. Um, so I went to the hospital that morning like I was supposed to. And my ex-husband was there. And then his cousin came. His family was there to support us. And um, I started freaking out. They put the IV in. She was like, okay, we're going to start the Pitocin. Now, remember, my memory of Pitocin mm. was baby number four. And I was just like, I, I I, don't know. I just freaked out. And the doctor's like, no, I threatened to pull the IV out of my arm. It was so But bad. But they didn't start off with breaking your waters? Mm-mm. Nope. They gave me IV liquid to make sure I was hydrated. And then they were going to start the Pitocin. They was going to start it, I guess, slowly. Like, back then, it wasn't the Cervidex and it wasn't any of those things. It was the Pitocin is what they used. Because I think this is your fifth child. Mm-hmm. You could easily just start it off by breaking the water. <laughs> Probably. And he was so big that he would have, the pressure Fallen alone. Out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was, he, he was 11 pounds. Oh, he was a big boy. He was mm-hmm. a big, and he still is. A, and he's, mm-hmm. he's six, six, one stocky football player. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he's, he's a big guy. And, um, So just before she started to pitocin, I started freaking out and she cleared the room and she's like, something is wrong. This is more than you just being afraid of of uh, your labor being induced. What's wrong? It was the day that my baby number three passed away. Oh, what's it? 
Yeah, it was the same day. And she's like, why didn't you tell me if you had told me this? I would have never done this today. Why didn't you should have let me? She's like, no. All right. No, no, no. We're not going to do this. So she let me go home. And she said, if you do not labor tonight, you have to come back tomorrow, though, and we have to induce. So we went home. She let us out. We went home. And my ex-husband, I will tell you, he walked me all day long. He made me walk and we walked and we walked and then we sat down and we rested and then we we walked to about eight o'clock that night. And I was like, I can't walk no more. Like I just like I just feel so uncomfortable. But he didn't want me to go in the house and lay down. So his cousin said, well, come over to my dad's house. We're doing, you know, we're hanging out, whatever. And I was like, I just don't feel like being around people. I think I just want to go lay down. So we went upstairs. Um, we were staying at my babysitter's house because she was going to watch the kids for us, the other kids. So we went upstairs, and I remember feeling like just not, not contractions, but just uncomfortable. And I should tell you that you know, this is when I started watching the baby story. So like I saw these women having these epidurals, and they would sit and play cards, and they would play games with their family, and they would laugh, and they were having all this good time. And then you would see some moms who would like be in there screaming their heads off because they didn't have the epidural. So now I'm like totally freaking out about the pain. Never have I now? thought of, now birth five birth number five. five. Oh, I've never thought about the pain. Never. But now I'm freaking out about the pain. I'm like, we have to, when, as soon as this labor starts, we got to get there fast because I've got to make sure I can get the medicine because I've learned watching the show. If I don't get there by a certain time, they're not going to give me the pain medicine. It's going to be too late. We have to make sure. Now, all this time I've been laboring at home. All these babies. Mm -hmm. And now I need to get there the first sign of contractions. So now I went to the bathroom. We get upstairs. I get to the bathroom. And I used the bathroom and all this yellow gook come out. I never knew where the mucus plug was. So now, first time. First time. So I called the doctor. I was like, all this yellow stuff has come out. I don't know what this, what this is. And he's like, well, that's the mucus plug. That's a good thing. That's a good sign. It's like, oh, okay. Are you having any contractions? No, nope, I'm not having any contractions. Okay, well, stay home. That's normal. I said, okay. So I went to bed and no longer, I wasn't in bed maybe 30 minutes. All of a sudden, you felt my water popped. And I started screaming, we got to go. Let's go. We got to go now. We got to leave. Because you wanted to have the epidural I wanted now the epidural. for the fifth time. Baby number five. And now I want to have the epidural. I got there. I think it was about five centimeters maybe. Um, and the contractions was coming on. And my ex-husband left the room. And when he left the room, I told the nurse, I want an epidural. He didn't want you to have an epidural? No, he did not want me to have an epidural. He was against it. He was against them putting a needle in my back. Mm -hmm. God forbid something can happen. You don't need that. It's not good for you. No. And we had agreed. We did agree. And then the pain kicked in. The contractions, the same contractions I've been having. The normal contractions? The normal contractions from birth. But now I was all of a sudden afraid of them. Mm -hmm. So when he left, said, I want the epidural. She was like, okay. So now she's called the people to come in. So my babysitter was there with us. So, because we had, they, they worked in two. There was her and another lady. So the other babysitter stayed behind and she came with us. And she went running down the hall. So my ex-husband's name is Randy. She's like, Randy, Randy. I could hear her, Randy, Randy. She's asking these people for the epidural. 
So he comes flying in the room and he's like, she gave you away? Yeah, she gave me away. Oh. She wants the epidural. She wants the epidural. He come busting in the room. She doesn't want the epidural. And I'm like, I want the epidural. He's like, no, you don't. He calls me Z. He's like, Z, look at me. You don't want the epidural. Remember, like, just breathe. Just breathe. I was like, I want the epidural. And the nurse is like, she's getting epidural. This is not your body. This is her body. If she knows what she wants, you're not the one going through the pain. So, like, it was like this big thing. And I was like, I'm so, you know, screaming. I'm in pain. Like, help, help, help. So finally, the nurse said, if you don't leave, we're going to call security. Because this woman wants the epidural and we're giving it to her. And he looked at me. He said, are you sure you want it? And I said, I want it. And a birth circus. Yeah, it was a birth <laughs> It was because it was bad. Like Now we're getting security involved in the birth. What in the world has happened? Baby number five. Like, I should be a pro now, right? Yes, you should. <laughs> yeah, no, I wasn't. Clueless still. Still partially clueless. That's like the red thread <laughs> yeah. throughout the stories. <laughs> a little bit ignorant and clueless. Yes, yes. I'm telling you. So... I got the epidural. Do you know that the labor stopped? No, they didn't give me the epidural at first. They gave me the, um, put me like the twilight state. I don't know what that is. I forget what it's called right now, but it's not an epidural. It's something they put in an IV. And you kind of like, so in between contractions, you kind of fall asleep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then you, like you feel the contractions, but they're not as intense. And you're like, kinda, like drugged. You're just like in la-la land somewhere. They told me, I told the doctor at one point, the doctor came and was like trying to examine me and talking to me. They said, I looked at the doctor and I said to the doctor, you know, it wouldn't hurt you to smile just a little bit. <laughs> putting it straight. Just putting it straight. Like, you know, you could just give me a little smile here. Like, do you not know what I'm going through? Do you know I labored for eight hours? Oh, you did? I never labored that long. Eight hours. Because of the epidural taking away the intensity of the contractions. Yep. Mm. Yeah, and I laid there for eight hours. Mm. Ah, and then I got But to... You had you didn't have any pain? No, I didn't no. have any pain. Oh. oh, no, I was sleeping and talking and everything. And then the, my husband's family was there. They all came. It was like, it was a circus because everyone was... I never had that many people come to my birth. No one's ever come to But, any of Was that birth. your choice or was it your... Because your husband or your ex-husband... I think it was their choice. Yeah, it sounds I, like he I, had strong opinions about things. Oh, yeah. Uh. Yes, 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 yes. Still does. Yes. <laughs> yes. That kind of shines through. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, yeah, the family was there. and I, But I was okay with that, like, because they were there, like, throughout the pregnancy. So, like, I was okay with that. His aunt was there, and it was nice to have them, I can say, because normally no one was there. I was, I usually did labor, just mm. he and I. So it was nice to have him There, um, and then he was born. Oh no, I'm sorry. They came in, they checked me. I was nine and a half centimeters, and I would not dilate that like half a centimeter. And they said that we're going to have to give you a C-section. Like this has been too long. So they were going to give me a C-section. I started crying, and then they let us talk about it. And something said, so they came in, you know, they have to shave you. He was all suited up in his suit, ready to go. And they came to wheel me out. And before they wheeled me out, I said to him, can you just check me one more time? Can you just check me? And he said, I, he said, I don't think anything has changed, but I will check you so that it, for your satisfaction. But I don't think we're going to find much of a difference. And guess what? I was 10 centimeters and I pushed him out. 
Now, when I pushed him out, you know, I'm laying on my back. And because he was such a big baby and I think the head came out first, I think they thought I wasn't going to be able to push him. I don't know, but I think I heard them yell something out. And after they yelled something out, all of a sudden, I kid you not, about six people came running into the room. They came storming in the room. And, like you know, I had my eyes closed. Like, I'm in my zone and I'm focused and I'm focused. But I can, I see the people running and I close my eyes again. And next thing I know, they are, like, all on top of the bed. And they're screaming push because they want to push down on my stomach to help push the baby. And I'm like, what are you, like... I pushed him out on my own, like, get your hands off of me. Let Did you say that? Yes. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Like, what are you doing? And I pushed and out he came. But I think they thought I was going to need some help. But he came right out. Mm. And he, he here he was born. He was big. He was really big. And the first thing the nurse said was, look at the balls on that baby. Can you imagine? That's the first thing they said about my poor baby. Look at the balls. <laughs> Do you know that he was the talk of the uh, nursery? Because of the balls? Yes. <laughs> he was big. He was a big, he was a big baby. He was, he was huge. Has this followed him through life? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yes. In a good or in a bad way? A little bit of both, I think. Yeah. <laughs> A little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah. So he came out. We had him. And um, and as like I said before, like, this was the baby that I realized that this baby is dependent on me for everything. I don't want any more kids. I'm done. No more. I can't go through it anymore. Because I was tired. Because, I mean, he he was heavy. I couldn't breathe. It, it was like a really, heavy pregnancy. But was it the first with the? F this was the first child that you felt that you, th the baby couldn't take care of itself. It was yeah. the first time you realized that. Yeah. The fifth time. Because you know why? I was in a career, and see, I couldn't get back to work. Oh. I couldn't get back to life. Mm. This is where the career kicked in because this was like a, my first solid job. Mm. It was making back then. I was making fifty thousand dollars. It was a lot of money back then. Without an education, I made my way up into cool. a company. Mm -hmm. So it was like, you know, I I can't do anything. Mm -hmm. I had to stop work. Yes, I'm you home. do get restricted with the baby. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it didn't matter before because what was I doing? Mm -hmm. Just living. I wasn't doing much of anything. I was just taking care of my babies is what I was doing. So it didn't matter. But now here I am, this career woman, you know, and and finding myself at, I think I was in my late 20s. Yeah, I think it was in my late 20s. I must have been about 29. Mm. And finally, life started making some a little bit of sense. Mm. Life shifted a little bit. My perspective on life started to shift. And um, so this was baby number five. Yeah. And you were done. I was no done. No more babies. No more. Mm. I was finished. I was going to tie my twos. My ex-husband decided that he would do the vasectomy instead. So we went that route. And, um, yeah, I was done, and I was happy, and I was content. And then we divorced. Mm. At, we separated at when I was 30. We separated, oh, maybe three years later. <clears throat> and then I met someone else, and he didn't have any kids. He was 40, and he didn't have any kids. And long and behold, we wound up pregnant. 
but I should say before I had him, I was taking birth control for the first time in my life. And I, I was on the birth control pill and that just did not agree with my hormones. That was making me like crazy and all kinds of things. So I, I, then I went to the ring and in the ring that was giving me like really bad cramps in my stomach and in my, my husband now, because now we're married, you know, he kept saying he could feel it. So it was uncomfortable. So, and I didn't want to do the IUD. So we didn't have any birth control. And I should have known that fertile myrtle could not go. (laughs) (laughs) Could not possibly be without birth control. But in my mind, you know, just me being me, I got this under control. Of course. Of course. And really, honestly, I don't think I really mind to make a baby with him because he was like this new love interest mm-hmm. and we're going to be a family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love wants babies too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then we got pregnant and this was his first baby. And that was really great because he was just so, my ex-husband put me through a lot throughout my, in my pregnancies. <clears throat> but my husband now, he was so great. He was so attentive. He was so warm. He was so gentle and he paid attention and it mattered. Like I mattered to mm. him, you know, my feelings mattered and my voice mattered. And it was great. It was really great. We had a really good pregnancy. Um, we had good doctors who took their time. They explained things. And now I'm like 30, I was 34 when I got pregnant, 35 when I delivered. Um, but I had to epidural with her too. Mm-hmm. Eight hours again. Um, but the birth was, my kids were there now. All the kids were there. Oh, talk about circus. Now it went to a blown out full three so you, rings. You had all the kids in the room? They were, they were not in the room when the birth happened, but they were there. Before, during that. Yeah, it was. All, and for me, I know it sounds crazy, but for me, they are my support system. Oh, it doesn't sound crazy at all. I love it. I, that is what birth is all about for me. And, and you know, the whole process is that. You have to go to yourself and what do I need? What's yeah. important for me? What will make me feel safe and secure? Yeah. And this time, my mom was there. My mom was there. My dad was there. My sister was there. They were, I mean, everyone was there. And she was born. And it was, it was, it was just a natural, beautiful experience. No, no anything. I was going to say shenanigans, no no circus happened. It was just calm, a calm, mm. loving, mm. beautiful environment. And can I tell you that this child's personality, baby number six, her personality is all about love and peace. Mm. That her personality really reflects the love that was around at the time, really. And I can say that because I can see the difference from having five before her. Yeah, you have quite an experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really great. It was really great. I was considered high risk because I was having her at the age of 35. Because when she was going to be born, I was going to be 35. So they considered me high risk because of that, which made no sense. But, you know, that's what they do here. Yeah, but it's a little bit high risk, of course, also with a <clears throat> chance of having a big bleeding after giving birth. When you've had so many pregnancies, it's mm-hmm. hard for the uterus to contract when baby is born, the more pregnancies you go through. Right. And that will um, increase the risk for ble- big bleeding. So right. See, they didn't explain it like that. They just told me I'm high risk because I'm 35. Oh, so this is why I, yeah, I 
I think it's so good to seek knowledge yourself too. Yeah. Because there is always an explanation to why there is a high risk. And for me, as a midwife, I think it's so important that women know what that explanation is to make sense of it. Right. So just don't buy that, you know, you're high risk. Keep asking the questions. Why am I high risk? Explain it for me. Right. So I understand it. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, they... Whatever it is. Whatever the reason is. Ask the questions and get the explanations that you need. Right. To know why. Yeah. Educating yourself is yeah, so like we important. talked about it before. It's it's crucial. Mm-hmm. Now by that time, no, I still haven't started studying as a doula yet because mm-hmm. she was born, and then we moved to Virginia, and then I went to school, and then I got um, my associate's degree in massage therapy, and then I did my doula training right alongside, and then that was when I decided, oh, I want to be a midwife, and. That's how the journey of birth working started. And then I wound up pregnant again. Because my husband felt as he lost his mom when he was young also. And my husband felt as though he didn't want our daughter to be here by herself. God forbid. Mm. If something happened to us, he didn't want her to be alone. She wanted her to have siblings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we had another one. His plan, not mine's. Um, and we had her, and it was, I'm trying to remember that pregnancy. That was a really good pregnancy. That was another one, same doctor, same same hospital, really good, uneventful. Family was there again, everyone was there, so that was really great. And you had the epidural this time, too? I had epidural, mm-hmm. yeah, I would so never turn back. Birth. At, that, <laughs> at that point, I'm like, why do I want to go through... Not knowing, like, like really still not... It wasn't really, like, I never understood to the the risk of epidural and what it was doing, what was really happening until I really started to indulge more into my birth working work, if you would. Mm. So yeah, I, I did the epidural again. Yes, absolutely. Give me my cocktail because I'm not gonna feel that pain. No way. <laughs> Been there, done that. No way. But um, so now you have seven kids. So now I had seven, mm. and then baby number eight. Hmm. Seven, one in heaven, six on earth. Mm. Yes, yes. Mm. And then I have baby number eight, and um, was she <clears throat> planned? She was not planned. Actually, the week before my husband was to go for his vasectomy, because I couldn't do this again, we found out I was pregnant. Of course, of course. This is your story. This is my story. <laughs> it would not be your story if you weren't pregnant again. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh. So we were pregnant again, and and again, we didn't know if we like we we had two kids, and we were just finally like getting back on our feet, and we had moved to Pennsylvania, and you know I was just starting my career again, and I was like, I can't, like I can't do this, I can't, like I, my body can't do this again, but. Long and behold, she fought her way in. It's like, you can and you will do this, and she's here. And that took a long... Now, that pregnancy took a long time to process in my Just mind. Just being pregnant again? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that took me... I, like, I was really... I was I was depressed for a little while. And so was he. Mm. And so was he. He had a really hard time. Have you watched, Have you seen the show on Netflix, um, Working Moms, yet? No. So there's a couple on there who... 
There are older couple and she just had a baby and she wound up pregnant and her and her husband had to make the choice whether to have have a, have this baby or not. And that is a very real place because you look at your life and, it's, you know, this is not easy. It's not just a matter of picking up that baby right now. There's that financial burden that you have or this, I shouldn't say burden. Let me say this, that financial responsibility now that you have and. Now you have like this other being that you have to like take care of and rearrange your whole life because every child, right? You have to every rearrange. Every child that comes in, it affects all um, relationships within the family. Yeah. Every time a new child comes in, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. I think my kids were just so used to like, oh God, mom, you're pregnant again. Here we go. Here yeah. we go again. Here we go again. So now the older ones, I should say the older ones were having a hard time with me. Having two new and, kids. Yeah, mm-hmm. new kids. Because they're like, how many babies do you need? Why do you keep having babies? You don't need any more. You don't need any more. You have us. You have mm-hmm. us, yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. I just, what I was supposed to do, I feel. like Now I feel complete. And now I don't want any more. And now I'm not going to have any more. So as a midwife, I have to ask you, are you on any kind of birth control now? So my husband had a vasectomy. Okay, so I can feel safe. Yes, and I'm never leaving him. So <laughs> okay. for that reason, I told him you're stuck with me because if I decide to remarry, I will wind up pregnant again. So you're stuck with me, buddy. Yeah, because it, it kind of just looking at you, you're probably fertile like yeah. 10 more years. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. I believe so. I really believe that. I really believe that. So my, so like I told you, like I do my energy work and I go for readings. So my padrino said to me, I see a baby girl around you. I said, well, you need to tell her to go someplace else. Like she can't come here. Let her go to one of those other moms and I'll help deliver. <laughs> because there's no room here for another baby. Please, like babies. Maybe that's the grandchild, the first grandchild. I have four grandkids. Oh, you do already? Yes. <laughs> Of course. Yes. So how would you describe the last birth? So the last birth was, that was tough. I was in and out of the hospital a lot. Um, At that point, I knew my body was tired. My body was, I was tired. My body was tired. My legs would give out on me. I had a lot of pain um, in my right leg and no one could ever explain it. And they wanted to like put me on uh, Percocets and all these different things. And I'm like, I'm not going to take Percocets. Like, I'll have to just deal with the pain before I take a Percocet. And the craziest thing is they never said, oh, go to a chiropractor or go for a massage. You know, luckily I was a massage therapist, so I knew better. But they never offered those options. It was just take this pain medicine. I'm like, why would you tell me to take a Percocet to affect my baby? Because anything I put in my mouth is going to affect my baby. And when there's other ways, but um, that was their choice to tell me to take uh, Percocets. And um, I refused that. And then I was put on bed rest um, because my legs, you just didn't know if they were going to give out or not. And that was a little tough. It was good and tough all at the same time. Laboring for her, um, so I should say she, I, my due date was uh, January 1st. And I had her December 24th. So we went shopping. My family was coming up. My mom, my dad, my sisters, and everybody was coming up um, to, to the Pocono area for Christmas. And I'll never forget, 
I was like, okay, so we're preparing dinner and I wanted dinner to be ready when they got there so that they can eat. And I kept telling my husband, I kept saying, just in case I go into labor. He's like, you're not going into labor. Like, come on, it's time to go to bed. And I was like, all right, let me just finish this macaroni and cheese. This way, everything is done. So he went to bed. He was like, I'm leaving. And I'm going upstairs to bed. He went to bed and I stayed downstairs. And I made the macaroni and cheese and I finished everything. The house was done. I went upstairs. I went to bed. About an hour. And he was asleep? He was asleep. That's the way you start giving birth. That's the way. The way your labor starts. Yes, because he <laughs> was asleep. Your partner sleeps. Yeah. They're out of my hair. <laughs> They're not driving me crazy. No one wants anything. The whole house is sleeping. No one is calling mom. And I went upstairs and um, I went to bed. Ah, and my water broke. My water broke and I started freaking out again. We got to go. The contractors. And I remember we got in the car and um, when we were driving to the hospital, my mom was on the phone now and she's on the phone until we got there. And the contractions started coming. I started yelling at my husband, hurry up. We got to get to the hospital before they say I can't get anything. Please hurry up before the contractions get too bad. And she's on the other line like, calm down. He's trying. He's doing the best that he can. It was snowing. So we got to the hospital, and um, so my, pam- my my family was preparing to come up. So it was like in the middle of the night, and um, I had this doctor. She had just moved to the area, and they were going to switch my doctor. They were on, ro- you know, rotation was getting ready to see. And I said, are you leaving me? And she said, well, yeah, it's time for me to go home. And I said, please don't leave me. And she didn't. Mm-hmm. She stayed. She stayed right there with me. And we had the baby, me, her. And the nurse, I remember the nurse, she didn't have much personality, but she was, she was very, she was, you know, she was an older nurse and she just was about her business. And she came in and she made sure she turned to me. She was like, we're having this baby now. Roll over this way. And she put my legs up a certain way on the side. She says, this baby is coming. And sure enough, within 30 minutes, I was pushing. And this time I will say that when she came, I never felt the ring of fire. But this birth, I felt, because I was like, something's on fire. It's burning down there. And she's like, that's just the ring of fire. Don't worry. You know, it's that thing, the ring of fire. I'm like, no, I don't know this thing. I've never had this. But it was the ring of fire. So I got to experience that. And the baby was born. And her name was supposed to be Layla Lee Lisa Damon. And the nurse said, I think you should name her Noel." So her name was Layla, her name is Layla Lee Noel oh, Demond because she was born Christmas Eve. Yeah, it was really nice, and we had Christmas at the um, hospital. They had like this. I want to tell you the most beautiful uh, family room you ever. You've never seen a family room at a hospital like this. The most beautiful family room. They closed off the family room for us, and all my kids came. My mom came. They brought the gifts, and we had Christmas morning. At the hospital. It was the most beautiful. And she is a really a magical baby in so many ways. <laughs> she is a ball of fire. But yeah, it was really a beautiful. It was. Let me tell you something. Now that I think about it, it was the best way to end my birthing experiences. Because this was down. You knew that. Yeah. Yeah. I could. Yeah. There's no way I can. Yeah. It was too much on my body. And I've and you know she's five, and I still feel like my body is trying to recover. I still feel healing that needs to take place. I'm I'm not surprised because you have given birth to eight children. 
<laughs> so I think that healing, feeling, the feeling of healing will go on. Yeah. It's a lot of babies. There's a lot of babies. Yeah, it is a lot of babies. I have my own team. And if you ask me what I do it again, I would do each and every one of them again. And I think I would do it in the same way, too. You wouldn't want to change anything? Mm-mm. Because with each... So I feel like with each birth, I learn something different. And each birth, I experience something different, which gave, which gives me the experience and the knowledge and the power to help other women. Because without experiencing all those things, I don't think I can be as good as a birth, a birth worker as I am now. But it's through my own. It's not through the books, right? So the books give me something. But it's through my own experiences that helps me to help moms. Because I feel as though going through all those personal experiences is what makes me the birth worker I am today. It doesn't come from a book. It comes strictly from my own experience. And that's what gives me the the knowledge, the empowerment. And no, the books give me the knowledge, but my experience is what gives me the power. Hmm. So as the professional birth giver you are, <laughs> if there was one wisdom or advice you'd like to pass forward to women preparing for their first birth, what would that be? It's to be vulnerable to birth and to allow it to unfold. Don't try to control it. Power yourself by doing the research and getting the knowledge and not carrying everyone else's story, but making your own story through your own empowerment of doing your research and your own knowledge. Close your ears to other people's stories at the time of your pregnancy. Hear other people's stories afterwards, but hold off on listening to other people's stories because we tend to make them our story and then we don't allow birth to unfold properly for us. And at the end of the day, it's all about healthy baby, healthy mom. That's, that's what's important. And you get healthy baby and healthy mom by empowering yourself and doing the research yourself. And you should have a doula. I, I do think a doula comes, comes in handy in helping you find your voice within and helping to advocate and helping you. A good doula will make you do the research yourself. She will lead you to the research, but she will make you read it yourself. She will make you find it yourself and then teach you how to find your voice. At least that's the kind of doula I am. I, I, I always get, you know, that, you know, that question of who you are. So that question is always haunting in my mind. And the other day I woke up and I was um, looking at myself in the mirror. This is my little morning ritual. And I said, I'm an educator by heart. I'm a healer by source. And I'm a mother by choice. So just, it's important for me to educate all the moms. And I will never do it for you, but I will give it to you. I will help you find the knowledge, yes. is what you say. Yes. Yeah. 
Thank you so much for sharing your fantastic birth experience with us today. Thank you for having me. And your me. thoughts about being a mom and a woman and childbirth. It's Thank been very special for me. Thank you. It's been very special for me because I've never done this. No one's ever sat me down. It's like, let's talk about it. And all within talking to you, a lot of healing has been going on. So thank you. Thank you. And I hope it helps someone. It will. But you just said they shouldn't listen to podcasts <laughs> about their stories. Oh, yeah. Well, no, this is educating, right? Because you... You're an ed- you're a midwife, right? Yeah, so you're putting that knowledge out yeah. there, and I I am a birth worker. So although I'm telling you my story, like even throughout my story, I'm saying this is my story. This is not your story. And see, you can take it from me because there is teachable moments within my story. Whereas when we sit down as girlfriends, it's not girl, don't do this, blah 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 blah. But I can't say don't do this, right? Because that's why I say, like, I will do each and every one all over again. Each and every one all over again. For the knowledge and the power that I've gotten from each birth. Because with each birth, I became stronger and stronger and stronger. Where I made the mistake was listening to other people's. And I know that and I can say that by watching that and feeding myself those kind of things. And making their story my story. So maybe... So maybe, okay, you should be open to listening, but be careful what you pick up. I agree. And also choose what you listen to. Yeah. If this is the platform you want to listen to, this is the place where you get your oh, knowledge. This is, a, this is a safe place for, for childbirth stories. Yes. You want to safeguard this as a safe place for childbirth stories. Yes. And these are the type of stories you should be listening to. Amen. Amen. Ashe, I would say. Yes. Thank you for listening to this very special episode of the Positive Birth Story podcast. And dear Sina, I hold a special place in my heart for you. Thank you for wonderful, wonderful conversations about being a woman, about being a mom and about powering through whatever life gives us. I also feel the need to clarify a thing around birth positions, more specifically about giving birth flat on your back. If you like it and feel in your body that that is what you should do, go for it. But don't do it just because someone tells you to. Listen to what your body tells you and go for that. A very humbling thing for me is to ask for your financial support in helping me to produce more episodes of the podcast so if you feel that you can spare a few bucks join me as my patreon in this quest i am on to let positive stories around birth come to life other ways to support me and the podcast is to rate us on whatever pod platform you're using and to spread the word about the podcast by sharing it with friends family and colleagues thank you And if you want to read more about me and this mission that I'm on, you can check out the positivebirthstorypodcast.com. May the force be with you.